0: Happy hour with Julie and Liz. So Liz, yes.
1: How was your um, weekend trip to uh, Martha's Vineyard last week? Did you have fun?
0: I did. There was a small disruption, but it was very short time that there was this like disruption and uh, let's say a natural occurrence. But then it went smooth. <laughs> what was that disturbance,
1: Liz? What? What could have disrupted your um, peaceful, bucolic, extremely white jaunt to Martha's (laughs) Vineyard? Did something stick out?
0: Well, some governor um, sent a plane load of unwashed people of color to this pristine, rich vacation place, and it was. Quite the hubbub there. That is, and what me- I mean, it was so unusual. Which is weird because I mean, aren't these folks just going to hire these people to like mow their lawn and take care of their kids? I mean, is this kind of like cutting out the middlemen? Um, huh?
1: Right. I mean, isn't there some water glasses or dishes that need to be washed there? I'm confused.
0: Laundry, laundry, <laughs> gardening. There's a lot of stuff. Um, we're talking about. Governor Ron fucking DeSantis, who owned the news cycle with really a just delicious, some would say a political stunt, but I feel like he was giving them a tremendous opportunity to go to this very rich, um, money laden community um, with a lot of vacant uh, housing because the season is over and um, People are out of Martha's Vineyard. It's post-Labor Day, so plots of houses open. Many houses have many rooms in them, uh, houses we know who are owned by people of great sympathy to this cause, and yet they were not offered shelter in these, what is it, how how big is Barack Obama's estate on Martha's Vineyard? It's like 13 acres or something? Yes. Here in D.C., people are living in parks now, like all the parks are just tents in all of them. So why not pitch a tent on Obama's lawn? You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm just thinking so much room. Wasn't
1: there, I think the Federalist had an article listing like the top 10 mansions in Martha's Vineyard where the migrants could be housed. Um, and then how about the NBC News article? I think it was NBC who compared them to um, garbage someone took out the garbage and like yep. left the garbage out and then you yep. had to take that down. But what a way to expose <laughs> these hypocrites. Now, Liz, you know, this, these are the same people who have, you know, he has no home here. Science is yeah. real. Those are the signs. Right. But then when it's like shoved in their face, they're like, Oh no, 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 no. Well, he does have the, a home here.
0: <laughs> it, oh, what would have been interesting or what, what, What if these people meant what they their little signs say on their bumper stickers and on their front lawn, then they would say, we welcome these people and we're going to show you how you ought to treat these people. We're going to open our homes. You know, we're going to take care of these people. We're going to help them get education for their children. Right. And instead of showing the country how, you know, it should be done, things that they're constantly preaching. They immediately removed these people and put sent them to, like, a military base. So, right. it I don't up. know. But,
1: it's, and the it's, memes it's, that were coming out were hilarious. Too much. My favorite meme, I think, is, you know, the McCloskeys who were standing outside their home in St. Louis during the BLM riots. Um, they juxtaposed Barack and Michelle Obama's face on there, like, outside their Marcus oh, Vineyard. No. <laughs> That's all <laughs>
0: So it's, it's really was such a brilliant thing because Ron DeSantis took over the news cycle. I mean, people are still having a meltdown now over it. It's been like three or four days, right? Or how, I don't even know how long ago it is, but they're still having a meltdown coming up with these ridiculous re- like uh, claims, like he's a human trafficker, but I I I've made this point before and I think it's important How did these people get to Florida? Florida is not a border state. Someone had to take them to Florida. Who took them to Florida?
1: Were they picked up in Texas, though, Liz? This is the discrepancy I can't seem to nail down. Okay. Were they in Florida? Or did Ron DeSantis didn't take hire like, private jets to go to Texas and pick them up and take them, did he? I don't know.
0: No, the feds have been dumping migrants into Jacksonville. I I read somewhere there was something like 70 okay. flights of people being dumped into Jacksonville. Now, and the and these flights happen, they're they're not like coordinated with the state. I think um when there was video of the, these like secret midnight flights in Westchester County in New York and the officials right. there had no idea. So I can only imagine that the Jacksonville city government and I'm sure DeSantis and the state government did not have a say in whether they could, you know, they, they don't ask permission, right? This is just like, take it. And the problem, even though the left likes to say it's because they're brown people, it's not because they're brown people. It's because our states don't have the infrastructure to manage the three million illegal Immigrants who have come in to this country basically because we have no border security at all are right. They can't even stop people. So what what is a city supposed to do when they get and, and Martha's Vineyard only got 50, basically something like 8000 people a day are are coming into these border towns in Texas. These are little towns. Right. How are they, what are they supposed to do? Nobody gave, nobody gave a shit until they went to Edgartown, Martha's Vineyard and everybody freaked the fuck out. And, you know, well, th- nobody really has the, the infrastructure to support that this amount, th- this amount of people. So, um, but they have been dumping people in Florida or dumping them all over the country. Um, so well, now they're I think dumping this, them.
1: I think it was just, I think it was Greg Abbott dumped a bunch in D.C. and D.C. Yeah. made oh, Real yes. Bowser
0: yeah. was like declared, declared a state, state of emergency. Of emergency. <laughs> she couldn't handle it. I don't think they declared a state of emergency when Antifa were beating up people at the BLM riots, but she did declare that state of emergency again. I thought hate has no home here. Why why aren't these people being you know shuttled to um, Embassy Row with these stately mansions and brownstones, and perhaps somebody would open their home up uh, to take care of these and nourish our visitor friends. You know, it's such so much hypocrisy, and I just think it was a genius move by DeSantis. And now these these immigrants, these illegal immigrants, have filed a lawsuit against Ron DeSantis, which is hilarious because they basically broke the law of our country, came in and then used those laws to sue the country. I mean, it's just really messed up.
1: Well, I mean, look, D.C. barely survived the deadly insurrection. I mean, they are just coming out of that trauma of, you know, being overrun not with either. Indiana Memots. Well, no, you're right. They're not. They're they're not. Um, but, you know, how much pain can our nation's capital take? I mean.
0: Well. Let me tell you, I had to drive to visit a friend of mine in Maryland. I had to drive kind of through D.C. And the city looks like Mogadishu. Like, it's, it so is it is because there's just homeless people everywhere. I mean, it's really awful. The, every overpass, I can see people living under the overpasses. All the parks are, are filled with homeless people. The police can't move homeless people. So, I mean, the city is actually looks like a hot mess, but that's the city's fault. You know, that's the city's fault for, you know, it's sad because
1: I used to love to go to DC, really love it. And
0: it's a beautiful city. It is. Full of hate, <laughs> full of people,
1: people. <laughs> full of people who want us dead. But you know, Did you know that,
0: somebody just was arrested for um, defacing the Washington monument. A couple was, of it
1: a, uh, was it an ultra mega fascist?
0: isn't it always does it matter let's just say it is we'll say it is
1: if it Um, was we would know his name the fact that we don't know who it is we know that it's
0: not but probably not we would know his kindergarten teacher if it were MAGA you know they'd he'd get like a full anal probe they'd find out his his mother his all his present you know all his family who who sends a mail his kindergarten teacher yeah it's just terrible um, so anyway, we we raise a glass and toast to Ron DeSantis for pulling off a magnificent, a magnificent political stunt, <laughs> I will you know, say.
1: And here's, you know, as we, I think, are starting to see maybe how the 2024 races are going to shape up, I think it looks like, and I've heard rumors that DeSantis is definitely going to run, which is kind of shocking to me. I didn't think that he would if Trump's running. Um, but look, he is really... Very gradually, sep- gradually separating himself from the Trump approach, right? Which is talk a good game, make a lot of threats, make a lot of promises, but at the end of the day, really not execute. So Ron I, DeSantis is kind of flipping that on his head. I mean, he didn't make announcements that he was going to send these migrants anywhere. He just did it. Yep. The other difference is that you can sense that Ron DeSantis really is gratified by exposing the hypocrisy of the left. And there's not one little tiny molecule in him that wants the approval of the left. That's not the case with Donald Trump. Know that he still wants Maggie Haberman to like him, right? He still wants Leslie Stahl or Don Lemon or all of these losers um, on cable and broadcast news. He still wants them to like him. Ron DeSantis wants those people to hate him. Because if they do. Yeah, he, he
0: knows he's, he's contemptuous. You can tell all, like he yes. he if you've ever seen the press, his some of his press conferences, when some of these assholes in the Florida media are trying to get at him, he he will have none of it. And he is not interested in a popularity contest. And I think that's a huge difference between Trump and DeSantis, um, that you you really nailed it. And I think that that's a difference in the kind of president. That people want. Well, it's gratifying to see Trump sort of say these crazy things and watch the media predictably have a meltdown and go crazy or misconstrue him. Um, At the end of the day, what have you done? You know, what are you going to do? And I think in DeSantis's case, there's so many things that he has delivered on. You know, he he's actually done it and he hasn't blustered about it first. He's just done it. He's you know, he instead of just talking about teaching Uh, you know, sex, explicit books on sex in schools to kids. He's just like, here's legislation, the legislation passed, he signed it, and then he talked about it. But he wasn't out there saying he was going to do all this stuff and try and poke off his media enemies. You know, he just really went out and did it. And, you know, that's, that's critical. I think DeSantis really kind of does have to run in 2024, or he'll be gone. I think he's time limited out of the Florida governorship. So he won't be in a position, a visible position for the next presidential race. You know what I mean?
1: Are they term, they have two terms?
0: I'm thinking that they do. Um, so it's kind of a weird, I
1: wanted to go somewhere like the U S Senate somewhere
0: completely. Oh God. No, he would never do that. No, I don't think he would do that. That's that they're just, so these are two very useless entities um i can't i can't
1: trump's appearance on sean hannity last night was not exactly comforting
0: oh i didn't watch it why don't you give a summer i don't watch okay. i really don't yes, watch hannity i just watch Tucker. and then you go to bed it's a bedtime yeah <clears> um, exactly because you get
1: up so early um it just sort of trump all over the place um you know, we're still rehashing the election fine, uh, the special master issue, which we could talk a little bit about the raid. Um, but he said at one point, I can declassify things just by thinking about it. Like you have this ongoing litigation, so unwise to speak about it. Um, and that doesn't even make any sense. Right. I know. You can't declassify things like you imagine it in your head. So. um, You know, this matchup, if it happens, is going to be, and look, the media as we just said, they're going to do to DeSantis what they've done to Trump. They're going to dig up everything. The Justice Department, I think, will probably launch an investigation into DeSantis. All the same tactics, but, um, you know, demeanor-wise, focus-wise, and really laying out an agenda for the American people that doesn't center around you is going to be a pretty stark difference, I think, if the two end up running against each other.
0: Yeah. No, you're right. Um I I think there's a better way. I I kind of understand what Trump was trying to say when he says he can declassify things just by thinking about it. But that's a terrible way to put it. It makes him look like an idiot. Um you know, I mean, he has he has unilateral declassification. He's the final ultimate declassification authority in the country. It's not there's no one who can like overrule his classification orders you know, in the, in the executive branch, he's the head of the executive branch and he's the president of the country. So his point was he can, he can decide something's declassified and it's declassified. But the idea that, you know, he just thinks it, I don't know, sometimes he really gets his words jumbled and then, you know, the media goes crazy and then there's a bunch of headlines. Trump says he can think about, you know, declassifying stuff and it's declassified and it's okay. Wonderful. Yes. Absolutely crazy. So I miss that. But um, I'm sure there's Trump still out on the campaign trail. So stay tuned to see what happens with the DeSantis Trump. I saw today in Florida, a new poll came out and showed that DeSantis is polling ahead of Trump among Florida voters. I bet. So
1: I bet. And I think so that's that it. It. it's going to get tighter, don't you? I mean, not just in Florida, across the board.
0: I do. We'll see how effective the media is at going after like damaging Trump to the point where people are just tired of it. Right. I mean, they're tired of trying to defend Trump against a lot of things that are like his own goals. Right. That he's doing to himself, because, of course, they'll do that to anybody. I mean, Go back to book to W, right? I mean, all the time, W, he was Hitler, he was this, he was all, he did all kinds of horrible things, blood for oil, blah, blah, blah. And it was just a non stop. So it's not like DeSantis is never going to get dinged by the media. But I think that it's clearly becomes more ridiculous and unfair when you aren't doing things that kind of leave you open to that. That's that's just my, does that make sense? You know, that, that he's not, he's not screwing himself. He's just doing his job. You know, like DeSantis is elected. He's the governor of Florida. He has powers. He's using his powers. Like, Kicked out that prosecutor whose appeal, by the way, was uh, thrown out. He he, w- the prosecutor that DeSantis fired yeah. has had announced. He was very open oh. that he was not going to enforce the laws of Florida, which are his job. That's his job. So, right. you know, he has ever he DeSantis used his power and said, okay, bye, you're out, you're done, you're not, you're not needed because you're not going to do your job. Um, so we'll see. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to what happens. Um, And we're DeSantis fans here, too.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: Um, So what else, Julie, is in the news this week? So the
1: big litigation this week, the big kerfuffle, was Trump's request, his lawsuit that he filed on August 22nd, seeking a special master to review all of the 11,000 pieces of evidence that the FBI stole from Mar-a-Lago during their raid on August 8th. So after a few weeks, Trump's team was trying to get the government to go along with appointing this special master, basically a third party that would review all of the evidence, decide sort of what's personal, what's privileged, what they shouldn't have, what Trump should get back. We know that of the 11,000 plus pieces of evidence, items that they took, including books, clothing items, medical records, tax information, et cetera, because the affidavit, the search warrant was so broad Liz, that basically said, if you suspect there's a classified paper here, you could take not only that paper, everything that it's filed with, and everything around it. So that's how they had this nine-hour rate. Well, at the end of the day, the government has to concede, we only have a, th- uh, um, excuse me, a hundred or so records with quote-unquote classified markings. So the this is the basis for their probable cause that he violated the Espionage Act, et cetera, et cetera. Well, since then, DOJ has tried every maneuver, every trick in the book to keep these classified records not just out of the sight of the judge, out of the sight of special master, also out of the sight of Trump's own attorneys who haven't seen these records. They don't even know what the government's referring to. Trump asked for a special master, Judge Eileen Cannon, after I think very powerful arguments that she made, basically saying, I don't trust the FBI and DOJ, like you know, half the country, appointed a special master. At the same time, there was appeal in the 11th Circuit in Florida, the government appealing part of Judge Cannon's uh, appointment of the special master that only related to these 100 or so classified documents, Liz. So that was on an appeal. Um, And then yesterday, the 11th Circuit upheld the partial stay on her motion, meaning, and she had also prevented the government from using those classified documents in its criminal investigation until the third party, the special master, could actually determine whether these are classified. We have no reason, Liz, to trust, right, that Joe Biden, Merrick Garland, and Lisa Monaco's DOJ is telling the truth because they are liars, they are leakers which is another thing Judge Cannon called uh, the government out on. Um, So at any rate, they're pulling every trick that they can, claiming that now there's a national security assessment and, you know, keeping these documents, giving them to the special master would prevent this. Um, Of course, that's a live list. It's not like these are the original only records, right? These are copies. Right. So the intelligence community can easily access their copies or their originals of what Trump has. No, it's digital.
0: Mm This stuff is digital. I mean, this isn't the 50s, right, right, where people are are making, like, mimeographs of something, and you have to get the copy back. These are digital. The original is in a computer somewhere. So it's not like... He's taken something and the government doesn't have it anymore. There's simply copies of documents that he says he's declassified. I mean, this is and and the media and, of course, the DOJ and all the people going after Trump are capitalized on the public's unfamiliarity with the way that this really this traditionally works. They just come out with this outrageous claim. Trump took the classified documents. Well, the president can have classified documents. All right. Ex-presidents can have classified documents. Ex-presidents get have security clearance. Ex-presidents get briefed by the intel community on things. You know, once you're president, you just don't leave office and then, you know, you're back in a cone, uh, you know, some sort of cone of silence. That's not how it works. But the public isn't aware of that. And so the media, we, we have these actions that are great overreach by the deep state, and they do it to generate their headlines. And, you know, whether things get thrown out or changed or end up nowhere, it doesn't matter. The purpose is to get like a weekly world news type headline all over the place. So people who are low information voters see that and they immediately think the worst. Um, And sometimes they do things like that. They overreach and get media headlines so they can then use them in um, FISA warrants (laughs) and other documents. You know, it's it's a real circle. But remember, this is the Patriot Act. I mean, this is part of the the powers that the government got and and really emboldened the DOJ's NSD National Security Division to take on a whole bunch of power. And they've decided that, you know, even though it was marketed to the public that this was going to be used to fight terrorism from outside the country, what they've done is they've just said that half the country. Republicans, MAGA Republicans, which is like 95% of registered Republicans, are actual domestic terrorists. So now they can use those tools against, you know, against American citizens. Um, It's very, you know, a lot of people warned that this would happen. And here we are.
1: Here we are. And here we are. And I mean, the regime, the Biden regime, DOJ in particular, now the intelligence community, they're not even trying to hide it. Liz. They're like shoving it right in our face. Right. This is happening. We are coming for all of you and we are going to use every government powerful tool and authority and then some we're going to make some stuff up too, um, to come after you. So, I mean, <laughs> They arrested Mike Lindell in the drive-thru of a Hardee's, stole his phone. Then today, the search warrant was released. They have like a shadowy sketch of Mike Lindell in this actual document. Like, you would laugh if it wasn't so destructive, right? But they're going after it, stealing his phone to look at the things he might have talked about, about related to Dominion voting systems, and they forced, said that the agents could shove the, the phone in front of Mike Lindell's face for face ID. By the way, if that's the way you secure your phone, take that off immediately or do a passcode, six-digit passcode and your face ID. Um, or to I guess there's a thumbprint one, too. Crazy. So they stole his phone, which apparently is connected to his hearing aid. Um, and because they're going to try to make up some imaginary I think identity theft and
0: they said identity theft. Of how that? Of a, well, how,
1: theft how is a computer or something like
0: how what I, de- I I saw that they want to charge him with identity theft I I don't know much about Mike Lindell except obviously the pillows um and he's and on advertising pill, pillows and, and stuff and slippers and sheets and he's expanding whatever but how, how where's this identity theft come in
1: I read through the affidavit like three times this morning, and I can't even tell you what they're looking for. Just anything. I, I couldn't right. even tell you what the identity theft was
0: or is. Terrible. Um,
1: so anyway, real quick to wrap up the special master thing, if people are reading about it and they want a little bit of clarity. Anyway, the 11th Circuit came back. This is a temporary stay because it's on a full appeal where the government will have to make its full argument to keep these 100 or so classified documents out of the site of anyone. Um, so they'll have to go through their full appeal. We'll see sort of what's happening with that. Anyway, the special masters still at work going through the 11,000 other items. They also they've already identified 500 or so pages of privileged documents that the government shouldn't have. Um, and so this process is ongoing. Trump, again, Not doing himself any favors. That's why I was talking about the kind of offhanded, you know, remark about just thinking about it. Had Trump, or if he knew what these documents were, and he really declassified Liz to the extent he said for years he was going to, especially the Russia, FISA gate documents. I don't even think this would be that big of an issue, but he kept pulling his punches there, and I don't think. He really declassified them until the very end of his administration.
0: No, that's true. He did it like at the end, because look, I mean, we all know that Trump made a lot of promise promises. And said he was going to do a whole bunch of things like declassify these documents. And then it never really happened. Like he would say it and it would go on Twitter and everyone would go bananas. But then in practice, we we're just like, okay, well, where where are they? You know, he kept saying, I'm going to declassify And People wondered before he said he was going to declassify them. Why doesn't he just declassify them? He could blow all this shit open right now and just say, oh, no, it's all declassified. Let's go. Re- release it out right now so everyone can see. could see. He could declassify the FISA. He could have done it. You know, I mean, we we've ultimately got did get the FISA, but he could have declassified the redacted uh, declassified documents with, with the stuff redacted that was revealed, all of this stuff. Um, But, you know, he 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 didn't do it. And then finally, at the very end, he did declassify a bunch of documents. And then I guess him and Mark Meadows um, worked with, I guess, the DOJ. Nobody learns here. Right. Do these people ever learn to make sure there wasn't any personal information in the documents? And then it went into like, you know, into some circle, like a infinite loop of, you know, it never came out, I guess. Um, I think I, I read that somewhere. So, you know, just, I mean, this is going to keep going. Um, is this going to be, is this going to go to the Supreme court? Julie, what do you think?
1: Um, well, it's hard to see given the initial ruling yesterday from two Trump judges. Now, I believe there's uh, majority Trump appointees on this 11th circuit doesn't matter because many of the Trump judges with the exception of Aileen Cannon are as bad as any Democrat judge. So you had two Trump judges, one Obama judge who ruled, um, it's hard to see reading what they said, which was basically a rubber stamp of DOJ's argument. I mean, they said, well, the government said these are classified. So they are okay. Sure. Where have you been living under a rock for the past six years? Um, So they'll go to the full appeal. It's hard to see that this initial uh, ruling is, you know, contradicted and they come back and rule in Trump's favor. So I guess it will go to the Supreme Court, which is sort of interesting because, of course, all of this is unprecedented. People want to pretend, well, if any normal person had classified documents, okay, but this is a former president and the entire investigation is based on the Presidential Records Act. So this is a totally unprecedented, relates to the activities or documents of a president, the records from his own administration. So I think ultimately a lot of these questions have to go to SCOTUS. Now, does that give us any assurances that ju- you know justice and fairness no. Will prevail? No. Yeah, it doesn't. No, not at all. Not at all.
0: So that's well, where that's at. Well, let's move on to a related A very related story that broke late last night from a friend of Happy Hour with Julian Liz, Miranda Devine, who has an article about uh, an FBI whistleblower who has come forward. And basically, he's a conscientious objector because he did not want to do a lot of the things that the FBI has been doing um, because he feels like it's violating people's rights. And he came forward. He went to complain to his management in the FBI. Um, I I believe he is talking to Chuck Grassley of the Senate. He's has a whistleblower status. And, you know, I, I'm i not seeing a lot of coverage, you know, compared to, say, another famous whistleblower, which is Eric Charmella, who was basically determined to be the next Jesus Christ um, when he, he was a, quote, whistleblower. Um, and. Uh, this story is really interesting because there's a lot of information about the kinds of things that this FBI agent was objecting to. And one of them was doing these jackboot SWAT raids. And this FBI agent is, was a SWAT member that mm-hmm. he did not like doing SWAT raids on misdemeanor people that are accused of a misdemeanor. And he would rather, um, you know, just have them served like by a sheriff or something uh, or something more Commensurate with what a misdemeanor. You know, even doing a a SWAT action against, you know, a a serious criminal like a drug kingpin, those are very dangerous. You know, it's very dangerous when you set the SWAT, send in the SWAT team, because you have no idea what they're going to find, right? You don't know if somebody is going to think that you're, they're robbers or they're going to fight back or it's going to be a firefight. I mean, it's, it's a very high tense situation. So, really, law enforcement should avoid that unless absolutely necessary. And here they are using FBI agents, the SWAT team member like this gentleman, to go in and basically round up and terrify people accused of a misdemeanor. Um, Julie, what what are your thoughts on this when you saw it? Um, I thought it was... Fantastic. Um, I'm jealous
1: that Miranda got the scoop instead of me, but that's okay. Um, But I mean, this is what I wrote about in my book. This is what has been happening now for over 20 months across the country involving all 56 FBI field offices who are conducting these egregious abusive raids at 5:36 o'clock in the morning with dozens of armed agents using battering rams to bust down the front doors of homes um, arresting uh, these uh, trespassers uh, in front of their children in some instances pointing rifles at their spouses who have nothing to do with anything I mean I've heard so many horror stories and I know you and I've talked about that I've covered it in my book and my reporting um, and so you know, the only way it was going to end is, or not end, but, you know, hope, have some hope that the FBI will be called into account for this is if the agents on the ground who are tasked with conducting these raids say, no, we're not doing this, I'm not going to bust out, you know, I talked to one, uh, one de- defendant who became a detainee for five months until he was released. And he told me about the raid on his house at nine o'clock at night on a Sunday, three young kids, guy works, you know, hundred hours at a restaurant that he owned. He lost his business, of course. Um, and he said how the FBI agents who raided his house, he said, I could almost, I could feel that they felt bad about what they were doing. Now, this was early on. This was like spring of 2021. He's like, they were almost like apologizing for what they were doing. Why are you apologizing? Just no, I'm not going to go bust on the door of some guy. Like, like to your point, he's a murderer or a child pornographer or a drug dealer and and torment this entire family. These families are traumatized. Liz, you have stories about traumatized animals who ran away for days, couldn't be found because of these FBI raids. Children now who hear their own dog barking in the morning, who are completely terrorized because that's what happened when the FBI agents were busting down their doors. Like, these are documented, and there's now, you know, hundreds of these stories. So what Miranda reports on is FBI Special Agent Steve Friend. Uh, He works out of the Daytona Beach, Florida uh, field office. He was supposed to conduct one of these raids on August 24th in Jacksonville, and he said that he had a moral objected objection. He wanted to be considered a conscientious objector, not conduct this raid at the home of someone accused of misdemeanors. Um, so he basically um, went to his supervisors, and he also has top secret security clearance, as you said um, And he's basically been punished in a September 16th letter from the head of FBI Human Resources. Miranda writes, he was told he was losing his security clearance because he espoused beliefs which demonstrate questionable judgment and unwillingness to comply. Um, This is hilarious. I had to laugh about this. When he went to his immediate boss a few days before the scheduled raid, this is a man named Supervisor. Supervisory senior resident agent Greg, Greg Federico. I want to actually email all these people and see if we can get a response. He said it was inappropriate to use an FBI spot team to arrest a subject for misdemeanor offenses and opine that the subject would likely face extended detainment and biased jury pools in Washington. Uh, so Federico told him to call in sick and threatened <laughs> reprisal indirectly by how long I saw myself working with the FBI. Now, here's uh, a great one. Um, went to a couple other supervisors and one of the agents, let's get his name because I like actually Colt, Colt Markovsky, um, asked this agent friend if J6 rioters who killed police officers should be prosecuted, even though no such thing When Fred pointed out there were no police officers killed on January 6th, Morofsky told him he was being a bad teammate. Another FBI agent, Sherry Onks, said he needed to do some soul searching. She shared the emotional experience of fearing for her own life on January 6th when she was sitting on the seventh floor of the secure J. Edgar Hoover building. Oh, please. Oh, wait, she was on the seventh
0: floor? She's on the seventh floor. Yeah, so she's. That's where the head, that, that's, that's that's where, where the, Ray uh. Is. that's where the suits are. That's where Chris Ray is and his. That's his exactly. You, you think anyone's getting in there? I don't think so.
1: <laughs> I mean, come on. So this brave man is basically losing, you know, who knows. But Liz, let's hope that this encourages others to step forward. What has to happen, I think, if, if Republicans take over, They need not just public hearings in D.C., they need to go outside of each one of these field offices and have the Americans whose lives have been wrecked and ruined by this FBI and the raids that they conducted, their invasive investigations, and talk about outside of D.C. what they've done. Get some of the agents then who are willing to step up and talk about what the leadership has directed them to do. Um, This is the only way to tell the story and then justify the complete dismantling of the uh, Federal Bureau of Investigation.
0: I believe that there are a number of agents that have gone to Chuck Grassley as whistleblowers. I think Jim Jordan said like 14, but I think it may be higher now. Um, So I think people are stepping up. I think this agent, this friend, had also said that that the rank and file FBI agents are not happy about. like They don't like doing this. Um, I just want to point out one of the most fascinating allegations that Friend made that Miranda talks about, which is um, that he, he makes several allegations as a whistleblower. And one of them, I'm just going to read it. The FBI has post facto designated a grassy area outside the Capitol as a restricted zone when it was not restricted on January 6, 2021, in order to widen the net of prosecutions. I just found this to be so important for people to remember, that they are really retroactively deciding that areas where people believe they were allowed to stand are all of a sudden restricted. I mean, going back to January 6 again, we know that there was an event that was scheduled there and that there was a permit for it and people were there these are areas where anytime during the week it looked it's a giant grassy area people just mm-hmm. walk around there's tourists there and that there was no signs or gates or barricades telling people they couldn't be here and so what this agent is saying is that the FBI has retroactively decided that these people were trespassing in order to get more people and that is just unconscionable It's unconscionable,
1: Liz, and what's even more unconscionable is the FBI and DOJ making up crimes, retroactively creating crimes, lying for over a year that Kamala Harris was inside the Capitol when the breach happened, and therefore it was automatically a restricted building, which was a lie because she was actually at the DNC headquarters where the pipe bomb allegedly was. The real atrocity is this D.C. district court. These judges yeah. who refuse to hold these lying investigators and these lying prosecutors accountable for their complete fabrications or made up offenses after the fact. Um, it is the responsibility of the judges to make sure that the truth is being told, not just to them, but of course to juries as well. None of that is happening. Um, and that that's the real travesty
0: it's very disturbing for people who think that we have a system of checks and balances and that justice is blind and that you're presumed innocent until proven guilty a lot of people hold judges in high esteem um that they're supposed to mediate between you know two adversarial relationships the plaintiff and the and the defendant but it seems to me like that is not how things work right now and it's seems like these judges are indulging the plaintiffs, which is the federal government against people who really can't afford the best lawyers and, you know, and and have a lot of times just a public defender and they don't even know. I mean, a lot of these people don't even really know the full scope of what, you know, how this was kind of like a setup almost, you know, to just lure people to this place so that somebody sitting on a bench think and you know talking to someone finds out later that they're trespassing and to be honest when you when the government goes after you the government wins like 99.9% right. of all the cases that it brings against somebody so you you know a lot of people i i've seen give give flack or say well if you're innocent why'd you settle you're not going to win You know, all you could do is mitigate what happens to you. And again, these are family people. They have to support a family, their parents. Maybe they have other obligations or business owners. They can't risk it in a D.C. jury and get like 10 years in jail for trespassing or walking through an open door or walking through an open door where a policeman was standing and waves to them. So, you know, you're not going to win. And the idea that the government would bring charges against somebody who they didn't have a reasonable, I mean, our system is supposed to prevent this. You're supposed to have a fair amount of evidence that a crime was committed, a serious crime was committed before you proceed. But the judges seem to be giving, uh, you know, just, it's open season, really. And they're not, you know, the system is not living up to what we were promised and what people, many people believe still to this day they say oh well a judge found them guilty so you know a ju- or, you know a jury found them guilty or, or you know this trial was you know all on the up and up that it was conducted properly and it, it's 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 a scary time for people who are playing, paying close attention
1: it's very scary especially considering what's happening in our nation's capital and you have judges appointed by Trump all the way down to Reagan who are fully in on this who are rubber stamping the DOJ Um, And show the same level of contempt for Trump supporters that, you know, the CNN commentators have. I mean, you have today Judge Trevor McFadden, a Trump appointed judge who has held numerous defendants, uh, denied them bail under pretrial detention. Today sentenced Tim Hale, uh, a Navy reservist who walked into the Capitol building uh, after it had been breached on the inside. He had a suit and tie. He walked around the building You could see video. He was walking through, you know, these people don't know where they're going. And there were people inside the building luring people into certain areas. Um, So he was walking around. Uh, Before he left, he picked up a Trump flag, kind of waved it around, and then left the building. He didn't assault an officer. He didn't vandalize anything. Didn't carry a weapon, nothing. Uh, He was charged with obstruction. He has been in the D.C. Gulag since February of 2021. Judge McFadden repeatedly, not just denying his release, also denying change of venue. Every single judge has denied change of venue motions, thinking somehow they're going to get a fair trial in Washington, D.C. Tim Hale goes before a D.C. jury. They come back immediately, all guilty on every single count. The government came back, wanted six and a half years in jail for Tim Hale, who has no criminal record. And today, Judge McFadden, a Trump appointee, sentenced him to four years in prison where he's already been for almost two years.
0: Julie, um, um, since you have so much knowledge and fo- are following this so closely, and of course you wrote the book, um, do most of these people, the defendants are, do they have criminal records or are these just, uh, um, you know, there's no his, Is there a history of violence and crime or, uh, you know, is this like the first offense?
1: Um, for uh, the overwhelming majority, it's a first offense. And Tim Hale is an example of that. He has no criminal record. He's been in Army service for 12 years. Tim Hale's biggest, biggest offense was they found all sorts of anti Semitic, uh, anti, I mean, racist, I will flat out say racist memes that are very offensive. I would never have them on my phone. I would never share them. It's not anything that I endorsed that he did. Uh, Some of it was really gross memes and content. Um, He's tried to be like this comedian and like a YouTuber or whatever in a couple of pictures, he's dressed up like Hitler, like not dressed up like Hitler, but he has like his hair over to the side and the same sort of mustache. Um, so he's he's a troubled person. I mean, he is troubled. He has troubled personal life, but so do a lot of people and they don't dress up like Hitler. Um, but when the FBI took his phone, they found all these memes. They entered those memes as evidence, not of anything that he did on January 6th, just to contaminate him. Right. Well, of
0: wrong think. Right. Yeah. No, of that's um, terrible because and I say this as someone who's Jewish. It's, it's actually not illegal to be an anti-Semite and dress up like Hitler or whatever weird shit or share stupid right. beams. Um, that's that's not illegal. And the problem is, if you are going to make a judgment on what people think, then it's fair game. Everything is fair game. You know, it doesn't just stop at, at one thing. It's going to be everything. And that's kind of where we are now, um, because this next story that we're going to talk about is, I believe it was in North Dakota, where a man and 40 something year old man mowed down a 18 year old teenager that he said was an extremist Republican. And he killed this kid. He killed the the kid and the guy's out on bail. Right. I mean, this guy murdered somebody. Right. He's out on bail. And we have these other people that were, you know, to con- con- just to contrast the way some of these J6ers are, um, you know, who have much stricter, much stricter punishments. And they're still in pretrial detention for not murdering someone. So um, and the media is not really talking about this Well, Liz, they murdered crime. democracy.
1: They murdered Democracy on June 36. I mean, what? It's worse, right? It's way worse than murdering an actual person.
0: Oh, well, they murdered. They murdered. They murdered the electoral college proceedings. Um, <laughs> but th- this is a very sad story because no, it's really, horrible. this is the consequence. This is just another instance of what happens when the media and now the president or Joe Biden, 46 comes out and says, demonizes, quote, ultra-maga-extremist Republicans and starts dehumanizing his political opponents. Then people who, especially people who are mentally ill or prone to violence or looking for a target, they come out and they they beat up, punch. Remember, punch a Nazi? It's like, oh, Mm -hmm. you're a Nazi, by the way. So, (laughs) like... You know, it's a similar thing. So I don't know if this guy's mentally ill. He claimed that the kid was getting people to come after him, even though he was chasing him in a car. This kid was on foot. He was chasing him in a car and ran him over. Insane. And Insane. It absolutely bananas. And, you know, it's really not in the media anywhere except in the right right wing media because they're horrified. But, you know, the media doesn't really have a problem with political violence unless it's you know, if it's against other people you know their political adversaries they they don't like anything that they believe is political violence and they believe words are political violence now by the way um that is directed towards them they are absolutely fine with Steve Scalise getting shot up and other mm-hmm. congressmen at that were targeted specifically because they were Republican. They're absolutely fine with that. They're fine with people wearing MAGA hats, getting the shit beat out of them. They're fine with people leaving the RNC, getting beaten like Rand Paul, who was assaulted trying to leave the RNC meeting uh, event at the white house. With his wife, back his Trump was president. Wife, that's yeah. And his wife. That's fine. That's fine. You know, they're absolutely fine with that. Um, So I think there's just going to be more examples of this happening. But this is just a particularly horrifying case because, I mean, we don't know anything about this kid. And I don't know, uh, uh, the news report said, oh, they had a political argument. I don't know. We don't really know anything about that. But even if they had a political argument, the end result isn't I'm going to kill him because he's an extremist Republican. I mean, it's a very disturbing and dangerous time we're in right now.
1: It is. Well, and that's why the rhetoric of the left combined with these, you know, criminal prosecutions from Trump down to, you know, trespassers. um, And, you know, this is just one example. And, you know, Joe heated rhetoric um, that is leading to violence and will only lead to more violence. So um, really shame. I mean, Joe Biden, again, this week, you know, with his Condemnations during 60 minutes interviews to the extent that you could understand anything that he's saying. You know, the idea of comparing regular Americans to fascists because they dared to protest your election on January 6th, and to this day, 70% of Republicans still don't think Joe Biden was legitimately elected, even though they mm-hmm. our minds. In fact, one uh, example of what what's going to happen.
0: Well. So on that happy note, yes. we will um, end our show today, but we will be back. I'm pretty sure we're going to be back next week. Julie, are we going to work that out?
1: I think so. I'll be traveling, then you're traveling, but we'll figure Yeah,
0: we'll make something. We'll make, we'll, something we'll, more, we'll yeah. make an effort. So thank <laughs> you for spending an hour with us. We will hopefully see you next week. And if you haven't, please subscribe on iTunes. Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week.